to the Power of Five podcast with Glenn Blakeney. Join us for revelatory teaching as well as riveting discussions and guest interviews on all things fivefold ministry. You're going to be extremely blessed by my guest. His name is Corey Turner. He is the global senior pastor of Nuba Church, Numa, at spelled N-E-U-M-A. After, of course, the Greek word pneuma, meaning spirit, Holy Spirit. And uh, Numa Church is an international and multi-location church. Each week, thousands of believers are activated to follow Jesus through Corey's preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. There we go. That's what we talk about all the time on this broadcast is the gospel of the kingdom. Corey is also a recognized prophetic voice across the wider body of Christ. He's the author of several books. And his ministry is marked by visionary faith, insightful preaching, and moving powerfully in the gifts of the Spirit. Corey resides with his wife, Simone, and three beautiful children in Melbourne, Australia. Without further ado, Corey, thank you so much for joining us. We're honored to have you on the broadcast. Blessings. Thank you so much, Glenn. It's such a privilege to be a part of this. And even in the introduction, I'm getting inspired and excited and can't wait to share a bit of our journey and heart uh, with all of the listeners and our viewers today. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we want to hear your journey. I mean, you are in Melbourne. You're pastoring Numa Church, which is a church, as I've already mentioned, that is international. It's also multi-location, not only in other cities in Australia, but even in other nations. And you've also set your sights on planting churches globally. But before we go there, let's just talk a little bit about you, the person, the man, because God uses people, doesn't he? It's more yeah. concerned about us and who we are. Let's talk about your journey, how you came to the Lord and how you, you stepped into this role that you're now serving in now so so wonderfully. Yeah, yeah totally. No, thank you, Glenn. Um, for me, my journey really began uh, with my parents. Um, my parents were far away from the Lord uh, before I was born, um, uh, living uh, a lifestyle completely opposite to kingdom values and kingdom culture. And um, when my mother became pregnant with me, um, she had an encounter with the Lord where God spoke to her and said, uh, open the Bible that your mother gave you. And so my grandmother gave my mother a, a Bible um, uh, at the news that uh, she was pregnant with me. And my mum woke up in the middle of the night and she uh, opened the scriptures to Jeremiah chapter 1, the call of Jeremiah um, being a prophet to the nations. And um, God spoke to her again and said, the son that's in your womb, the boy that's in your womb, and my mum hadn't confirmed what gender I was, but the Lord said the child that's in your womb is going to grow up and fulfil this promise. And um, as soon as I was born, within three weeks, my mum walked into the nearest church, which actually happened to be, a Salvation Army church, and mum didn't know churches from churches. So mum walks right. in and uh, over three weeks attended church and um, there was no altar call. So on the third Sunday, she got up, walked down the front during the preaching of the message and said, what must I do to get saved? <laughs> and literally helped wow. the pastor lead her to the Lord. And within three months, my dad got saved. Within 12 months, they were in Bible college. And within two years, they were planting and leading their first church. 
So for me, my journey is intertwined with my parents' journey and my parents' salvation is connected to my call. And so in those uh, first few years of my life, at about four years of age, I remember in kids' church making a conscious decision to follow Jesus and ask for his forgiveness. At six years of age, I um, one Sunday night, I um, had a man of God lay hands upon me and uh, I got filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. And um, when you're six years of age, it, it's either real or it's real. You can't fake it. Um, and so ever since that day, <clears throat> I've been conscious of the manifest presence of God at work in my life. And really that set me on a course of growing in favour and stature with God and man, better understanding the call of God upon my life and what that meant for how I was to live that out. To be honest with you, I have been a reluctant leader most of my life. Um, uh, obviously so um, proud of my parents and their ministry and what God has done through them. Mm. My parents are very apostolic, prophetic in their ministry, planted wow. many churches across Australia. Um, but uh, for me, whilst I honoured that and was close to the Lord, I really didn't um, like the concept or idea of answering the call of God, which I know many viewers and listeners today will identify with. Um, there was a real wrestle in my will. I was a athlete, and so my dream was to be a professional athlete and travel the world, make lots of money. And uh, God really got a hold of me um, in my late adolescent years, um, I uh, I did a Jonah and I ran to the police force, actually. And uh, it was when I was in the police academy that um, the lecturer, the, the academy lecturer asked me to do a speech and to speak about a particular topic. And, um, and because I was raised in a house of preachers, we know how to prepare an outline and get things ready. So I got up there and Basically, a five-minute talk ended up being a 10, 12-minute sermon. And uh, at the end of the speech, there was just deathly silence in the academy lecture hall and there was hundreds of um, uh, police academy recruits. And the, the university lecturer looked at me and said, literally said, what are you doing in the police force? You should be like a um, minister or a politician or something you shouldn't be in the police force. And I'm looking at her going, you've got to be kidding me. The Holy Spirit has just filled this uh, unbeliever and uh, is, um, is, is prophesying over my life. And I think that event plus, you know, some mighty men of God and women of God calling out the purpose and destiny in my life, that really got my attention. And, and a week after I graduated from the police academy, I was uh, preaching my first sermon and the power of God hit that place and, um, you know, people were getting set free of demonic spirits. People were getting destinies and, and ministries activated and called out of them. The, the power of God hit that place. And it wasn't anything that I'd been taught to do or that I was imitating. It was I was sensing, I was responding in obedience to what the Holy Spirit was asking me to do. And God was just moving. And that was now over 20 years ago. And so the last 21 years has been a wild ride following Jesus in answering the call of God on my life. 
Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, and and it's so good because, you know, my testimony actually is somewhat similar and I'm just standing here going, "Oh, that's amazing." And and so to see that happen in your life and God then bring you um to the place where the confirmation of the call, the gifts were evident there because, you know, God had already put that in you. He knew what you're going to be doing. And then you're at the place right now where you're pastoring Numa Church. Tell us, how did that happen? How did you step into that role? Yeah, so um, my wife and I um, really had an encounter with God uh, late uh, December 2017. Um, Previous to that, we'd been similar to yourself, traveling around um, the body of Christ. For six years straight, I was um, ministering 47 weekends a year around Australia, um, across Europe and Asia mainly, and um, and God was opening a lot of doors. And so it's almost essentially in Australia we would call that itinerant ministry. Wow. Uh, there was um, the yeah. prophetic was a really strong part of that. The apostolic expression uh, of our ministry was really key, discipling a lot of leaders, speaking into conferences, churches. Then previous to that we'd uh, planted and led a church for seven years and God blessed that. And we thought that was going to be our our sort of dream, our baby for the rest of our ministry. And then God really, after we discipled leaders, raised people up, God asked us to release that and go full-time to the body of Christ. And then previous to that, I served as a youth young adult pastor with my spiritual father, uh, Dr. Alan Meyer, and then um, obviously uh, internship Bible college. So there's been a 20 sort of year journey, it's interesting, things that I were praying for 20 years ago we're now starting to walk in. And I just want to encourage anyone out there that, you know, feels that God's put a promise on their life and God's prophesied something over them. Sometimes, you know, between the promise and fulfilment, there can be a considerable period of time. Mm -hmm. And yet God is faithful in every season to actually help grow us and develop us and prepare us to walk in what he ultimately has for us. And so um, back in late 2017, uh, a prophetic friend of mine called me up. My wife and I were at a cafe and uh, we were very comfortable in our itinerant ministry to the body of Christ and and just shared a word about he was um, awoken in the middle of the night and God had given him a picture for us of um, in Genesis, the story of Rebecca uh, coming and meeting Isaac in the field. Okay. And he was speaking about Rebecca being a picture, a type of a bride. Huh. And he said, there is a church, there is a, the bride of Christ is going to come and search for you in the field. And oh, you don't wow. need to chase it. You don't need to try and make anything happen, but they're going to chase you down because God is actually calling you to lead his people in a house, and it's. He, he went into all the details of what that was, and um, in about four weeks, we'd had about another twenty-one different confirmations from that, and then all of these invitations started coming to take on all these churches around Australia, and none of it felt right. But the church that we had been planted in, whilst we were itinerant, my wife and my three kids planted in the house when I wasn't here. Uh, they were planted here, and uh, I was on the board of directors here at the church, and I was having a conversation with the previous senior pastor, and 
he mentioned that uh, he felt really called to transition out and he said, hey, I really believe that God's called you and your wife to take on wow. the church. Okay, wow. And, um, and so my heart just exploded and I knew that, that, that it was the Lord. This church is 96 years old. Oh. It was um, the first Pentecostal church in Australia. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth preached in the pulpit Come of on. this church. Oh, and wow. literally from where our church is positioned, around the corner on the street corner in Bridge Road, Richmond in Melbourne, when Smith Wigglesworth came and moved in powerful demonstration of healing at the turn of the 20th century, they used to put all the crutches and wheelchairs uh, of all the sick people and all the medical equipment under the platform so that whenever the preacher in those early days, the founder of the church, C.L. Greenwood, Whenever the preacher would get on the platform, they'd be preaching on the heritage of a move of God wow. in seeing sick bodies healed and lives changed. Wow. And that heritage really has not left this house. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's been an apostolic, you know, centre and the, the dynamic of the kingdom here ha has been here for nearly 100 years. Wow. That's amazing. I did not know that. I've been reading up on the history of Numa Church, but I, di I didn't come across that. That's amazing. That's powerful. I love also that your mission is advancing God's kingdom across the nations. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's talk about that. Um, what does that mean to you? And what has that looked like since you've been the senior global leader at Numa Church? Yeah, I think like yourself, like many people watching this today, um, there's been an underemphasis of the gospel of the kingdom in the modern church. We, we hear a lot about the concept of the gospel of salvation, which is a part of the gospel of the kingdom, um, but we don't always hear the fullness of the message that Jesus came to preach. Matthew 4, 17, he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew 3, came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And, um, and access to that kingdom is through repentance. And so um, for, for me, growing up in the church, traveling and really the privilege of seeing what God's doing in different parts of the world and in different parts of the body of Christ there's been this de-emphasis, this under-emphasis of, of an understanding of the theology of the kingdom of God. Mm. And yet it's the primary message and it's the key, it's, it's the only thing that, that Jesus is committed to advancing across the earth is his kingdom. Uh, and he invites us, Matthew 6.10, to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So apparently, according to Jesus, more and more of this planet is to look more and more like the kingdom of heaven, which mm. at the moment, Amen. there's a little bit of conflict happening there. Um, but I think what we've sought to do here is to reestablish believers' understanding of what does it mean to be uh, a steward and a citizen and a son or daughter in the kingdom of God and what does it mean to be on mission? Yes, making disciples is a critical, practical, strategic action in that. But for many believers, you know, either it begins and ends with church attendance okay. or it begins and ends with just making an, another disciple. And yet my question is why? Why are we making disciples? Why is this such an emphasis in Jesus' ministry? And it's because he is, uh, he is wanting to, his intention 
is to restore dominion authority that was lost in the Garden of Eden and to establish his kingdom on earth through his people. And so I think one of the things we've done a lot over the last three years is we've preached on the kingdom of God. Um, We've really tried to help believers understand. And and it's amazing. People in our church are like, I've never heard this before. Where where have I been? And I'm like, well, this is the essential message of the New Testament. Um, So we need to understand it. We need to embrace it. And so I think, um, you know, the kingdom has lots of different expressions. Uh, It's not just advanced through um, disciple making, it's advanced through church planting, it's, it's advanced through practical action, it's advanced through signs and wonders, miracles and, and demonstrations of power, it's advanced through uh, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Um, so we've tried to help people really understand the breadth and the fullness of what is the kingdom mission that God has called us to. Right. And I, I've really gone to great lengths to try and help people to understand what the kingdom isn't because I think a lot of people equate their kingdom with things that it isn't. And in order to understand what it is, we first of all need to understand what it isn't. Um, So that has been a real journey. And and I think, um, you know, some of the dynamic of that has been really reshaping the culture of the church Hmm. around kingdom concepts, kingdom truths, kingdom principles, and not just helping people understand the principle, but helping people understand the presence of the Holy Spirit that manifests the kingdom amongst us. Mm. And and so for me, the last three years, because we've had uh, lockdown of such an extent, it's been a prime opportunity to re-script and to help people relearn and understand the culture of the kingdom, the, the, the mission of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom, and what we're trying to do here as a church. Yeah, very good. Yeah, very good. And and it's important to do that. You know, when we have these op, uh, what seems like dead ends really is a detour and an opportunity for us to, as you said, deconstruct and then reconstruct. So very powerful. Now, you're talking about um, kingdom culture in a sense. And I know you guys have some values, they're kingdom values. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the values that uh you embrace at Numa Church and in, in your personal uh, yeah, values. Totally. I think um, one of the, the key things coming into leading the church is to really help people understand when we talk about values, we're talking about what shapes behavior. Yeah. It's not just what's important to us, but yeah. what's important to us should shape action behavior. Yeah. And so um, we've got seven core values that really inform how we do kingdom culture. So firstly, prayer fuels power. So what we've done is completely mobilize the church around active participation in prayer. So obviously um, it begins with equipping people in their own individual devotional lives prayer. What does that look like? What does that mean? But it can't end there. It's extended to um, uh, multiple corporate prayer points of engagement during the week, online prayer. Um, we have prayer and two 21-day prayer and fasting seasons in the life of the church. Um, mm. We have um, uh, all things. We have, we have a prayer pastor. We have, even though every person is on team and staff is called to model a life of prayer, yes. we want this mobilised. We've got a vision to build a prayer chapel here. Um, we're, mm. We've... Um, we have 24-7 prayer. We have a team of intercessors. Um, I myself 
particularly in Indonesia, have been a part of ministering and, and, and participating in prayer towers across Indonesia where I saw 24-7 prayer over a 20-year period of time, never stop, continual wow. prayer. And wow. churches of 20,000, 30,000 that have been uh, grown through prayer power. So we, we have a mantra, prayer fuels power. Secondly, God's word is our foundation. Um, we don't take our cue from the culture. We don't take our cue from the media. We take our cue from the word of God. Um, Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall remain forever. So God's word has got to become our foundation. Uh, obviously, we know there's uh, lots of different ideas out there about what certain texts mean and say, but as best as we can with our Uh, with the illumination of the Holy Spirit and our learning, we want to help people understand the Word of God and particularly the message of the kingdom. Um, we talk about how making disciples is not optional. Um, this no. isn't like a, a an extra add-on to following Jesus. This is what we're called to. Uh, I've found that a lot of people ask or pastors ask their people, where are you serving in the life of the church? And that's a good question, but mm. I think the better question is who are you discipling? Mm. Who are you actually raising up and discipling to follow Jesus? And so we really want to call people to take uh, responsibility for that, equipping them in that. Also, we have a, a core value, love gives generously. Okay. Uh, you cannot say that you love your wife or your spouse and not be generous towards them. Um, we can't say that we love God and love his house, but not be generous towards God and his house and to each other. And so we want to help people understand that love needs to be actioned. Love needs to be something that is an expression of our lives. Um, if God is love and the nature of love is to give and share of itself, then we want that, that to be demonstrated in the life of the church. Also, um, uh, kingdom value, miracles are normal. Okay. Right? The supernatural is normal. Uh, for a lot of people, the supernatural and miracles, either they've never seen one, they don't know how to move in the supernatural, or it's, you know, they see that the supernatural is only accessible for, like, the special weapons and tactics leaders of the church. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, the supernatural is available and accessible for every single follower of Jesus. And so we want to normalize miracles and say, hey, Let's believe for this in our everyday life, Moving, teaching people how to move in uh, pr prophecy in a really healthy way, in a safe environment, um, how, how to pray for the sick, how to recognize, discern, and to bring uh, deliverance to someone that's been oppressed by demonic strongholds. How, how do we evangelize in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Miracles are normal. Uh, then we talk about how freedom is a responsibility and okay. how the scriptures call us, you know, it's for freedom Christ set us free, yes, but how am I stewarding that freedom? And, mm. and one of the markers of the kingdom of God is freedom, but how are we actually stewarding that with our fellow believers, with people in our wider community, uh, because freedom doesn't imply um, stupidity and just do what I want. It calls for wisdom. And it calls for me to, to love and serve those around me and not just serve myself. And then finally, um, our seventh value is church is a covenant family. And in, in a world, particularly a Western culture, where there is so much brokenness in our understanding of the family unit, in our understanding of what true family is,
Yeah. In a world where people just leave relationships and enter relationships and mm. leave churches and enter churches, we want to help people to understand that because we're called to be the family of God, church is a covenant family, it means that if there's an issue that we need to work through, if there's a conflict, we do it in the context of relationship and we exercise some emotional intelligence around that and we're not just uh, ghosting people, uh, c- cutting people off, ignoring people, but we're actually entering into the difficulty of the tough conversation to try and practice Matthew 18 and work this through together. And so whilst some of these values are aspirational, Glenn, yeah. um, I would say a majority of them are literal and are a part of the fabric of our of our church life. Wow, that's awesome. Wow, so good. Yeah, I love that. That there's a lot of meat there that you you just shared with us. So so good, guys. Um, go back over that. And it's so important, as you mentioned, particularly in in the culture that we live in right now, where relationships it's just easy, just block someone on social media, whatever, move on, yep. right? And uh, in the church, it happens unfortunately. And uh, so, so good to see that you're advocating for healthy relationships, covenant relationships. That's, that's amazing. Now, Corey, I know that you guys have, I'll just say, put it in my words, a massive vision to plant new churches. And yeah. um, where is, where's your, the main uh, campus, main location, and you have additional campuses or locations. Yeah. Um, yeah, let us know about that and then also your vision for, for planning yeah. more churches. Yeah. So our main location is based in a suburb of Melbourne called Richmond, which is an inner city suburb. Um, people from all over the city, as far as an hour and a half away, drive in, as well as local um, uh, people uh, around the surrounding area are a part of this particular location. This particular location has been here for 96 years. Okay. Uh, in the last five years, mm-hmm. um, additional churches have been planted, connected to this main location. Overall, in the last 96 years, something in excess of 150 churches have been planted out of this house. Wow. Um, over 96 years, there has only been seven senior pastors leading the church. Uh, so a number of the people that have led this church have led it for a long period of time. Uh, so my wife and I and our team uh, are the seventh sort of uh, pastoral leaders of the church or apostolic leaders. Um, we have seven locations presently. Uh, we have four here in Melbourne. So from our city location, we have an east, a west, and a south location. And then we've planted over in Bangkok, Thailand, Uh, And that church has been there now for over five years. That has an established uh, hub. Um, We also have a location in Perth, Western Australia, so on the West Coast. And then we have a Perth in our southern, uh, a a venue in our southernmost state, Tasmania, in a city called Hobart. We're actually um, looking at planting in the Bay Area on the west coast of the states. And so we already have a team and a couple that's uh, actually over in the states right now doing some research work and building relationships. But the plan is in September of, is to plant in that location. It's a, an area that needs a lot of the work of the kingdom. Yeah, God's given us a really, not only a heritage of church planning, 
this church really is picking up. It's an apostolic hub. It's an apostolic mm. center. But God's given us a clear vision to plant many churches. And I'm very reluctant to put numbers around things, mm. but I think where the Holy Spirit gives directives, I think we need to follow that. If the Holy Spirit hasn't given that directive, best not put a number around it because generally no. it's a work of the flesh. <laughs> but um, the Lord really spoke to us clearly. I, I was in a stadium at a youth, uh, big youth evangelistic rally, thousands of young people here in Melbourne, and this is three years ago. And as I'm watching this stadium fill up, um, the Lord says to me, what if what I asked you to do was not to fill stadiums? Hmm. And I was like, what do you mean, Lord? Like, I want to see as many people come to know you as possible. And if that means we can fill stadiums, great. He said, but what if what I asked you to do was to plant churches that transform nations? Hmm. And I, I thought about that for, for several minutes. And as I began to sort of think about it, my response obviously was, you know, of course, Lord, what, whatever you want us to do. And he said, good, because I've called you to plant 200 and yes, we've planted a church in the past. We understand yeah. what that's like. Uh, we planted a church with 11 people in a lounge room in 2006 and no money. And over three years, God grew up by several hundred facilities, staff, budget. We saw nearly 50% of that congregation was first time believers. Awesome. Um, yeah. So we understand the church planning dynamic. Now we're in the process of raising up 200 church planners. We've already trained and raised uh, 40 of them uh, over the last three years. We do that through our Numa College. We have uh, okay. a church planning intensive in Numa College, as well as my wife and I invest every 12 months into a core group of 20 church planters, and we're discipling them. We're investing into their lives. We're teaching yeah. them. Wow. We're equipping them. And so God really has it on our heart to be strategic, to be proactive, mm -hmm. and to be apostolic in the way that we're raising up sons and daughters to advance the kingdom. Hello, everyone. Have you heard of my new podcast called The Power of Five, where we talk about all things fivefold ministry? This is Glenn Blakeney of Awake Nations Ministries. I encourage you to join us each week as we bring some of the most knowledgeable kingdom leaders from around the globe into the studio to chat about this current season of reformation and specifically how the restoration of the fivefold ministry plays such an integral role in what the Lord is doing to restore and raise up a glorious church in these days. Hallelujah. So guys, please subscribe to The Power of Five on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And would you also consider leaving a review, rating the podcast, and sharing on social media with your friends? Together, let's recover the glory of the Lord as we contend for reformation, revival, the advancement of the kingdom of God on the earth. Thanks for listening to the Power of Five podcast. Be sure to visit kingdomcommunity.global to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our awesome bonus content. See you next time on the Power of Five.